0: Law, Policy, and Markets.
1: I'm in a profession that cares and that I'm at a firm that really cares and is going to be a part of the solution going forward and how we work our way out of this.
0: Welcome to Millbank Conversations. I'm Alan Marks. Today, I'm joined by Tony Casino from Millbank's New York office. At MillBank, we are proud of our deep and long-standing commitment to pro bono client service. Much of the credit for broadening that work across the firm, even in these challenging times, goes to Tony, who coordinates the firm's pro bono work globally. Let's get to it. Tony, welcome.
1: Thank you, Alan. Great to be here.
0: Tony, COVID-19 is certainly impacting adversely a lot of our pro bono clients and a lot of the legal service providers that we work with. How is it changing the way Millbank and our lawyers are delivering pro bono services?
1: Our first order of business was to take care of the clients that we already have who are in the same distress that they were before, but now a lot of things have been foreclosed to them. If you were in the court system, things have obviously come to a halt practically. If you're in an immigration system, the same thing. So our first order of business was to take care of our clients, let them know how things are gonna play out as much as we could with the information that we had. The other key was to reestablish contact with our pro bono partners. We work with over a hundred pro bono programs from the Legal Aid Society to Kids in Need of Defense and Public Counsel. And those programs had to also go remotely and they didn't have the, not all of them had the the best technology to do that. So we had to reestablish our contact with them and to start to work with them because they're on the front lines of dealing with clients as well and they're going to be the ones that are going to be bringing in the new clients going forward so we worked at both of those we reached out to all of our clients to make sure that they understood where things are and how things are going to proceed and then we reached out to all of our pro bono partners to make sure that they are able to proceed and we've been helping them Through this time as well, we, for example, with public counsel in Los Angeles, we helped them put together a manual that they could share with clients about what the impact is going to be on them and and the CARES Act and different parts of the issues that they're concerned about. So that's been our initial stages, and we're really gratified that our lawyers have stepped up and really have been pleased that our pro bono work has not fallen off one bit. It looks exactly like it did before we went remote. So really proud about that because I think our lawyers understand that in addition to being very busy and and trying to serve our paying clients remotely, our lawyers are continuing to do that with their pro bono clients. I didn't know what to expect, but I can tell you that our, our pro bono work and focus has not changed at all. With the remote practice. I'm very proud of the firm because of how our lawyers have really thought to themselves that my pro bono client is just as important as our paying clients and I can't leave them in a lurch.
0: Tony, you mentioned public counsel in Los Angeles, legal aid in New York. I could think of others, uh, BetSetic, for example. All of these legal service providers in big cities may have their offices closed, at least temporarily, because of COVID-19. They're not able to do physical intake. They're not able to do legal clinics in person, even off-site. How are pro bono clients accessing legal service providers so that they in turn can use the services of lawyers at firms like ours?
1: That's really the critical piece here because whether it's COVID related or not, some issues just continue to to go on. And these folks, many of them are in very dire situations and I think that what the pro bono programs, so I talked about earlier about reestablishing contact with our pro bono partners, because they are in close contact as well with these, these potential clients. And not every client, many don't have the technology to do it, to reach out to a program in this way. If you're somebody who is dealing with an abusive spouse and you are in a shelter, it'll be very difficult. So I think going back to the phone, is another is a standby and i think people are still using the phone reaching out to programs like public counsel, legal aid etc and looking for ways to 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 get to reach those services and the programs are doing a great job they're really stepping up and identifying cases and and we've seen a steady flow of cases from all of our partners and there's also been many changes to try and address that so for example we do well, wills clinic here, a wills program here for seniors, and there have been a number of changes in New York, for example. You can notarize a document remotely and, and attest to a document re- remotely with some with some conditions in place. The governor did did sign a law to change that. so there are certain things that are happening, so we can do those wills, some of them remotely. Everybody's trying to figure out how they can keep moving forward with helping clients as much as they can with the technology that's available. And again, a lot of it's dependent upon the clients. Can they, do they have access to a computer? Do they have access to something like Zoom? If not, you have to go to the phone and then you take the case as far as you can go. And sometimes you're just gonna have to pause there if it's reliant upon the courts or if it's reliant upon an in-person meeting. So we've been trying to go as far as we can, but it is a critical question about how clients who don't have technology how are they going to access the services? I think we're still trying to do the best we can to reach them or for them to reach the program.
0: Let's look a little bit at the mix of pro bono work. Uh, certainly with uh, the impact of stay-at-home orders, we're seeing sudden sharp spikes in domestic violence cases and a need for emergency protection, even as courts in many cases are still closed or operating on a very restrictive schedule. There's issues with access to criminal courts for jury trials where that may not be proceeding as it normally would. And even if you, you know, look further in the future, but not that far ahead, say in three months or whenever these eviction moratoriums roll off, we might see a big spike in landlord-tenant disputes and evictions and pro bono cases for tenants to protect their rights. If you kind of look down the road, are you seeing how our mix of pro bono cases may be changing after the COVID-19 crisis starts to pass and the economy opens up?
1: It's a great point you raise because as things open up, just like there's pent up demand for everything from a haircut to things that we put aside, there's going to be pent up legal issues, and there's going to be everything from the traditional stuff—housing, domestic violence, immigration—you name it—it's going to flood the system. We have a lot to catch up on because everything's being put aside right now, but the issues don't go away. If you are being battered, if you are Homeless, if you're housing issues, if you have immigration issues, it's just not going away. It's right now, it's sort of in a limbo state. So we're going to see a flood of that. And then on top of all of this, there is a whole other piece of things that is COVID related. A lot of not for profits have been devastated by what's happening because they have suspended operations. They have to function. They have rent to pay. They have employees to pay. They have critical needs as well. And small businesses, of course, are tremendously impacted. We have um, joined with a lot of other firms to focus on some initiatives that are helping small businesses and not for profits, providing them with some services to at least make sure that they can get by during this time, whether they're applying under the CARES Act for some loans or they need some advice on employment issues or contracts and landlord tenant issues so We're going to have an avalanche of work from the traditional to what I would say is COVID-related matters that are going to be COVID-related matters are going to be in the pipeline for years. It'll be a couple of years of COVID-related matters that are specific to this crisis because it's going to take a long time for individuals, not-for-profits, and small businesses to get back on their feet. And that involves a lot of different issues. You have a small business or not-for-profit, employment, real estate, all those issues are there and you're going to have to deal with it. And right now everything's kind of in a frozen point. It's going to hit. So we're going to be very busy and it'll be partly traditional work that we've always done and partly new stuff that is being created by this crisis.
0: I want to come back to immigration. You mentioned a kind or kids in need of defense and certainly they and many other organizations handle immigration matters generally for pro bono clients. In the current situation, not just with COVID-19, but also the governmental response to it, maybe exacerbating some of the challenges that immigration cases are facing. How do you see that evolving in the near term?
1: These are clients who, many of them are, they're on the margins. The issue of how their cases get treated, we do a lot of special immigrant juvenile status for young people. We do humanitarian parole issues people applying for asylum. There's a lot of upheaval. There are some people in the immigration system, some people are saying, hey, we're on a lockdown for immigration in the future and today, and it's already a confusing area because it keeps changing. I think it's going to get more muddled because we haven't had a unified policy on these issues for many years, and it's been very difficult to keep up with it. In the last five years. I'm concerned about what we're going to see. How do we proceed? How do the clients proceed? We have to be honest with them. We can't tell them right now that we know what this is going to look like in any particular area that they're in, in terms of their, their immigration needs. So we're going to be there. We're going to be part of the teams that are trying to figure this out and trying to help these cases move forward. But I have to be honest, I'm not sure what the landscape is going to look like because we haven't had a unified policy to begin with and now from the federal level and now with this crisis some people look at it as an opportunity to really change things even more drastically in the immigration field and area and i'm not sure where that's going to go so it's a pretty dire view of what the future is going to look like in terms of immigration and those who are here and who are in the pipeline i'm not sure if there's any good answer right now and we're going to have to wait and see, but we'll be there. We'll be part of the folks who are advocating and representing individuals with various immigration issues because it's a big part of what we do in pro bono. And many of our lawyers really believe strongly that people who come here for a better life and go through the system should have an opportunity to stay here.
0: Or at least for the immigrants to have the right to have their rights asserted and have the laws applied uh, you know, correctly and, and fairly. I want to look also at criminal justice. We obviously don't do much work for 1st instance criminal jury trials, but we do a lot of work on the appellate level, death penalty appeals, life sentences for juveniles, and so forth. Many appellate courts may still be open or functioning remotely with video and other access. Could you talk a bit about how some of those cases may be impacted?
1: We have sort of two sets of types of cases. We, as you mentioned, we do, we have some death penalty cases, we have some cases we representing individuals who were sentenced to life in prison without parole as a juvenile, and we're working to try and get them a chance at parole. Those cases are unaffected because they're so long term, you may not have a hearing in the next three months, four months to begin with. So those, those cases continue to proceed because they're on a slow track because that's the nature of the challenges in those kind of cases. We do have another set of cases. For example, in New York, we work with the Criminal Justice Act panel where we do take cases in the Southern District. We step in the shoes of the federal defender and we have done those cases and we have a handful right now. Those cases have managed to have some hearings. We've had lawyers in there doing hearings because a lot of them can't wait. It could be a bail hearing. We've moved forward on those. Those are pressing and the courts kept moving on those and I think we've managed to get those to a a decent place where the clients aren't sitting, waiting on a bail hearing, something like that. We do criminal appeals. Those are on a pause a bit, so they'll just get pushed back a bit. So I think we'll be okay on that. We'll lose a little bit of time, although we just did a moot for an appeal, a 1983 civil rights case in the Seventh Circuit that will be coming up in a few weeks, and they're going to do that by phone. So the courts in certain areas are trying to proceed at where it's really timing is critical. Somebody's incarcerated, and there's something immediate. The more long term cases, I think there's a little, it's not the, the end of the world to postpone a little bit on those. And I think those are okay. So it's been a mix. I think the courts have done a very good job at trying to have a balance in that.
0: So traditionally, Milbank, like a lot of firms, has focused its pro bono efforts domestically. And of late, we've seen a shift and a kind of a trend where our international offices in Latin America, in Asia, in Europe, especially in London, have picked up the baton and kind of run with it on pro bono. Could you comment a bit about that?
1: This has been the biggest growth area for us in the firm. As you mentioned, London, Asia, including Singapore and Germany have been growing tremendously in the last three years. We have have a very steady cases coming in there. They tend to focus on helping not-for-profit charity infrastructure. A lot of those countries don't have a big focus yet on individuals, I think that, for example, in Great Britain they they have a system where everybody's entitled to a lawyer and they have allocated funds for that in the legal aid system. but it's not covering everybody, so we're starting to see some more representation of individuals, but for the most part, we do a lot of work throughout those offices with not for profits charities that are doing really good work throughout the world, and very interesting. Cases that we're working with them on. So that has grown tremendously. We're very proud of that. And I think that's the trend all over. We have a lot of peers that we're in contact with in those countries. And I think they're in a big growth spurt. And we're excited about that. And that'll continue to grow. I can see that in the future because many firms have hired people in those offices to manage their programs.
0: If we could stay on that positive note for just a moment, even with COVID 19 or even with the uh, impact of a recession, on so many pro bono clients what makes you the most optimistic or hopeful about the next year and about the way millbank is positioned to meet those pro bono demands
1: here's something that should make everybody's day i sent out a request to help out on this small business program that was just created i sent it out last week we had 100 lawyers sign up to do it it gives you an idea of the legal profession is really hungry to help I get calls every single day, I get emails every single day from our lawyers who want to get involved, want to help somebody, whether it's COVID-related, a small business, a not-for-profit or not. And during a crisis, people really want to give, and the way lawyers give the best is through providing their legal skills. And that hasn't changed. It's gotten stronger. My hope is that coming out of this, one of the positives we can take away from it is that we all need to help each other. We all are part of this together. And lawyers more than ever can play a, a really important role in helping people who are gonna be, how many people lost their jobs here in this in this uh, crisis and so many more people who are gonna be in need of our help. So I'm encouraged by, that. I'm encouraged by what I see in the profession in general. I'm in touch with a hundred other law firms who are large law firms where literally hundreds of lawyers at each firm have said how can i help i have a lot of hope for the future i'm generally an optimistic person to begin with but that optimism is is backed up by every single day i get the the great pleasure and honor of having our lawyers call us and say i want to help somebody can you help me do that i've done this for 20 years and it's gone by in a flash because it's been a joy to do because it's about helping people and helping our lawyers connect with helping people. So there's not much greater satisfaction you can get than that. And that's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me going for the future. Once we get past this, there's gonna be challenges, but I know that I'm in a profession that cares and that I'm at a firm that really cares and is going to be a part of the solution going forward and how we work our way out of this.
0: I couldn't say that any better. You know, when I talk to a lot of our attorneys, if they're working from home these days, and there's a lot of stress or dislocation that comes with that, or even loneliness, I think being of service and getting that sense of agency, because we really do have the ability to help a lot of people who very, very desperately need that help, it becomes both useful and empowering. And I want to say to you, please, thank you for the service that you're doing. It's it's really very appreciated, uh, not just in our firm, but also in the, the broader community that we serve. Oh,
1: that's Like I said, it's, it's really my pleasure. Good.
0: Well, Tony, thank you. Stay connected, stay healthy, and stay in touch.
1: Thank you, Alan.
0: Thank you for joining us on another episode of Law, Policy, and Markets, Millbank Conversations. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform and learn more at milbank.com.